We start with breaking news. A Russian war correspondent has been killed in an explosion in St. Petersburg, with at least 32 more people injured, including a 14-year-old girl. We spoke to a victim of the attack. I was talking to my compatriot, Vladlen Tatarsky. I managed to ask him a couple of questions, and then the blast happened. A woman is suspected of bringing the bomb into the cafe before the blast took place. Witnesses say she handed the explosive device disguised as a statue to the correspondent. First, she took the microphone and started asking him questions. Then she continued, now I would like to give you a statue. Then she brought it to the stage and gave it to Vladlin. And suddenly everything exploded. The smoke appeared. Everyone ran. Russian journalists are constantly targeted by the Kiev regime. That's a response from the Russian foreign ministry to the attack, also condemning the West for turning a blind eye to the witch hunt against war correspondents. Good morning from Moscow. This is RT International with the latest world news updates. I'm Fiorella Isabel. It's great to have you with us. We start today with our main story. High-profile Russian war journalist Vladlin Tatarsky has been killed in an explosion in a cafe in Russia's northern capital, St. Petersburg. At least 32 other people, 10 of whom are said to be in serious condition, were wounded in the blast, including a child. This video shows the moment the blast occurred at the cafe where the war reporter and blogger had been hosting an event. As you can see in the footage, the building's windows were blown out by the force of the explosion. Eyewitnesses describe the moment of the attack. My friend and I were walking towards the university embankment, and at the time, we heard an explosion. It was a dull explosion, like a pop. After about 10 to 15 minutes, we found ourselves in the heart of the event. We didn't realize at the time that it was a terrorist attack, but we understood that it wasn't safe for us to be there. At the time, we saw that many wounded people were coming out. There were two ambulances, firefighters were nearby, people were being carried out on stretchers. A warning, you may find the following footage disturbing. Now, this footage shows the aftermath of the attack from inside the street food bar venue. We've blurred some of the distressing images of the victim. The cafe was left devastated by the force of the blast with the wreckage of tables and chairs scattered over the room among the debris. Here we can see some more footage from outside the site of the blast. This video released by the Russian investigative committee shows the force of the blast which blew out the cafe's windows. The cafe's interior is almost unrecognizable with the ceiling collapsing in the explosion. We heard from one of the victims of the blast who was taken to the hospital for treatment and who spoke to Tatarsky just moments before the explosion. I was talking to my compatriot, Vladlen Tatarsky. I managed to ask him a couple of questions, and then the blast happened. After that, I left the building with everybody else. Fortunately, the police and ambulance arrived very quickly. I express immense gratitude to the doctors. They are just saints. I take my head off to them. Tatarsky was a prominent figure in the online community of wartime correspondents. The 40-year-old's real name was Maxim Fulman, and he himself was from the Donbass. 
He fought in the early stages of the conflict from 2014 to 2017 in the Lugansk People's Militia. This experience led him to becoming one of the most followed war correspondents before his death, amassing an audience of over half a million on social media. In this CCTV video, a woman is seen entering the cafe where the blast happened, carrying a box. She's suspected to be the person who brought the explosive device into the building, which was eventually given to Vladan Tatarsky. The Russian investigative committee has conducted a search of the suspect's apartment, but the Federal Security Service also reported to be working on the scene. According to media reports, a family member of the suspect has been detained while the woman who brought the device to the site is still at large. Our correspondent Donald Corder is on the ground in St. Petersburg with the latest updates. What you can see right behind me is the cafe where this blast took place and the aftermath in general of the blast. You could see the destruction that uh, that explosion wrought on that cafe. You can also see that first responders are on the scene as well as government investigators trying to get to the bottom at, uh, to, uh, of what exactly happened here. So far, one person has been killed, the Russian war correspondent Vladlen Tatarsky. He was 40 years old and really rose to fame after the beginning of Russia's military operation in Ukraine. Now, right now, around 700 police officers are searching around the city for uh, a girl that eyewitnesses are saying uh, brought a a statue with an explosive device inside and handed it over to Vladlen Tatarsky during his uh, event at this cafe. Let's take a listen to what eyewitnesses had to say about it. First, she took the microphone and started asking him questions. And she said, do you remember Vladlen? I gave you a postcard. He said, is this the one you drew? She replied, yes. Then she continued, now I would like to give you a statue. She said that when she entered the cafe, she was asked whether it was a bomb and was asked to leave the statue at the entrance. Then she brought it to the stage and gave it to Vladlin. It was a golden head and a helmet. It didn't look like Vladlin, and everyone laughed, and they put it down. They put it back, and suddenly everything exploded. The smoke appeared, and then everything was like in slow motion. Everyone ran. Those who were nearby were covered in blood. The girl staying in the room and when everything happened, she came out with me after me. After some time, from two to ten minutes, an explosion occurred. From my seat, it looked like smoke and fire somewhere in the distance. People came out and the girl came out with everyone else. There was a crowd that ran out, someone normal looking, just scared. And some had red or bloody smudges on their faces. My name is Diana Korolova. My friends and I were there. While Russia's investigative committee is investigating this incident as a murder, it's also said that it's possible this girl did not know that there was an explosive device inside the statue. This also has to do with reports that um, that her bag was actually checked before she entered the building by uh, security guards who cleared that bag for entry. But. Uh, it's important to understand that this is just one of several explanations for what exactly happened that the investigative committee is looking into right now. But according to one friend of an organizer of this event where the explosion took place, he says that this is the most likely scenario. 99% certain that the statuette exploded. Who gave him the statute? Do you know anything about it? They say that a woman introduced herself, said she was from Listva. I don't know whether it's true or not. Listva is a bookstore. Can you tell me about the guests and invitees? Maybe there was a list, I don't know, 
Were there any records of these people? I can't say because I'm not the only organizer, but the fact that everyone will be found, that's for sure. Well, we've heard from uh, the Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman, Maria Zaharova. She said, and this is despite the fact that Kiev has rejected involvement in this incident, she said that, uh, that Russian journalists are facing more and more seriously grave threats from Kiev and uh, Ukraine, and the West is basically turning a blind eye to all that. Russian journalists are constantly hearing death threats from the Kyiv regime and its supporters, which are increasingly being implemented. They are harassed, branded in the literal sense, with special markings on the digital platforms of American internet monopolies, while there is a witch hunt in the Western media. All this happens with the tactic disregard of the relevant international structures, which now can be interpreted as an approval, if not complicity. In any case of the violent death of a Russian journalist, which was assessed by the Kiev regime and its thugs as a success, neither Western countries nor international organizations nor foreign professional communities conducted investigations. They didn't even show elementary human sympathy. Not so long ago, the West was fighting extremism and terrorism, marching with the United Front in Paris in defense of journalists against whom terrorist attacks were committed. Today, the lack of reaction in the White House, Downing Street, the Alizé Palace, etc., given their claimed concern for the welfare of journalists and freedom of journalism, speaks for itself. Now, there are also some reports that the police may have detained uh, one girl that may have been that girl who passed over the statuette to Vladlan Tatarsky. According to these reports, this is, a, this is a girl that has been detained in the past at anti-government uh, demonstrations several times and even allegedly transferred money to an organization that is considered an extremist organization in the Russian Federation. Although these reports are unconfirmed, we will continue to bring you new details as they become available. We discuss the latest with radio host and political commentator Steve Gill and journalist and political analyst John Baroli, who say that there is a possibility of foreign involvement in the attack, which was aimed at sowing fear in Russian society, as well as silencing journalists. It is uh, tragic that the U.S. government, that uh, Eastern um, um, governments, Western governments in Europe have failed to, to speak out and condemn this murder of, of a journalist, even if we don't know all the details, even if we don't know uh, the full facts behind it. Uh, I don't think it's too early to say this is uh, an atrocity that uh, everybody should loudly condemn. You know, I've spoken out loudly for a long time uh, about the lack of, of journalistic questioning and, and the lack of skepticism by Western media when they simply parrot uh, the, the propaganda being dispensed by the Ukrainian government about what's going on in this conflict. From the very beginning, Western media has not been curious about what the reality is on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, I've pointed out repeatedly the lack of journalists on the, on the front lines on the Russian side of this uh, conflict. Again, they simply repeat the, the propaganda of the Ukrainian side without uh, embedding journalists, as we see in every other conflict on the other side in, in uh, Bakhmut, in, in the Donbass region. And, and now we're seeing that journalists who have been reporting from that side of the arena uh, are being you know, murdered, as we see in this case. Whether or not it was directed by uh, the Ukrainian government, whether it was assisted by Western uh, European uh, governments or the U.S., you know, they've denied being involved in, in other um, atrocities, including the, the bombing of the uh, Nordstrom pipeline, uh, the uh, bombing of the bridge that uh, was re referenced uh, earlier in the story. Um, the credibility of the West is being lost in this fight uh, a lot quicker than the uh, Ukrainian soldiers are being lost in this fight. There's certainly an effort to shut up journalists, journalists who are trying to report the truth, 
or the truth over the past nine years, British and Americans are training Ukrainian terrorists and sabotage groups. The New York Times reported that. That's almost a year ago. So think of how much they've done, how many people they have trained to commit terrorist attacks, sabotage attacks in the past year. Goal of these people who are behind the attacks is to uh, create more fear and panic in Russian society to, and for people to, Russians to start to doubt their own government. Uh, you know, and so it is also psychological warfare. And uh, you know, basically trying to say that, look, the Russian government can keep you safe. But unfortunately, we have reckless people in power in Washington, in London, in Brussels, and they're the ones who are pushing, trying to push Russia to do something extremely rash that could ignite a major war on the entire continent. Using these terror, terror methods is quite, you know, it's just part of the rule book by which NATO operates, unfortunately. And again, as an American, I'm disgusted by this. Earlier, R.T. Shebao spoke to my colleague, Eunan O'Neill, about the important role Tatarsky played in covering frontline stories in Donbass. Well, I think it's important to say that there's huge shock and there's anger, I think, as well. Uh, friends and colleagues are sort of uh, making statements which are, you know, dumbfounded at this event in the center of a, of a large city, the second city, if you like, of, of Russia. The free media has become anything but free, and those that are portraying themselves as the defenders of the freedom of speech have become uh, essentially quite the opposite in some ways. Vladlin Tatarsky was the man killed. He's a well-known figure online, Jay, prominent uh, as well in his work. Uh, take us through what's known about him. Vladlin Tatarsky, his real name, uh, actually Maxim uh, Fomin, uh, 40 years old. Uh, he hails from a place called Makivka in uh, Donbass. It's a, it's, a, it's a smaller town than Donetsk uh, uh, city, but it's, it's adjoining it. It's essentially a conurbation of two, two towns. So he would have grown up in uh, Donetsk, in the Donbass, uh, he fought during the initial stages of this conflict uh, between 2014 and 2017 in the Donbass Luhansk militias. So he would have had a first-hand knowledge of uh, the conflict. Uh, he would have been uh, essentially a local uh, a man who would have had significant contacts and access to the front lines, which I think would have fed into his huge following. Um, uh, he was a prominent blogger and, and uh, journalist, as you say, over 560,000. And, uh, followers on the Telegram platform. And anyone who uses Telegram, as, as, as millions now do, to access first-hand information, uh, would, would tell you that 560,000 followers is a significant following uh, on, on Telegram. An RT war correspondent who was Vladan Tatarsky's friend shared his emotional reaction over the death of a fellow Conflict Zone reporter. How are the comrade-in-arms died? These are absolutely no words. I just saw Vladin Tatarsky last week at an event. We remembered our friend Andrei Rachov Koltani, who died recently. Maxim is also not with us now. I won't give myself a guilt trip regarding security, whether special security forces or statesmen are to blame. Me trying to look for a guilty one won't improve the situation. What I want to say for sure is that Russia is safe because people like him shed their blood. Our homeland is alive due to these kinds of people. Russian war correspondents, as well as other media figures, believe there are certain parallels to be drawn with a similar attack that took the life of another prominent journalist, Daria Dugina, last year. She was killed in a car bomb attack in August 2022. Daria was a journalist and the daughter of a prominent Russian philosopher. 
Moscow claimed Ukrainian security forces were responsible for that attack, something Kiev denies. We heard from former U.S. Marine and geopolitical analyst Jean-Marc Dugan, who believes there's been an effort to silence pro-Russian journalists using violent means. I was surprised because, uh, you know, I, I lost another colleague uh, several months ago, Daria Dugina. And, um, you know, we had spent time in Donbass together and we did some projects together. And now him. And, um, you know, I have to say maybe some anger because um, you, you only see this happening to the Russian journalists. You don't see the Russians bombing any journalists in the West. There was a lot of thought that obviously went into this. If, it's, if, if the details are correct that we're hearing now, a lot of thought went into this. And uh, same thing with Daria Dugina. A lot of thought went into uh, carrying out her attack as well. So certainly it could have been the same group. Uh, they had to have some intelligence and they had to have uh, uh, significant research to do this uh, beforehand. We've seen the West. They are doing everything they can to silence the journalists that are uh, either even neutral or have a pro-Russian stance. So they're doing everything they can with uh, uh, censorship, uh, demonetization or deletion of their ch social media channels, and even resorting to these bombings now. Like I said, you don't see this happening to Western journalists or Ukrainian journalists done at the hands of Russian forces. No, you only see this terrorist activity done by Ukraine and people from the West coming in and killing Russian journalists because they don't want their points of view to be heard. They have no defense against it. And so they have to hide the truth that's coming out of their mouths. Every terrorist attack we have seen in this operation has been done by the Ukrainian military or the West. And we're talking Yes, just the, not just these car bombings, but we're talking about the bridge to Crimea. We're talking about the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, every single significant terrorist attack, or every single terrorist attack, has been carried out by uh, these Western elements. And it's really, it's, it's disturbing. Vladlen Tatarsky was featured in an RT documentary only last month, dedicated to a firefighter friend of his who was killed on the battlefields in Donbass. It was one of his last interviews. I got to know Andre when we had a YouTube channel called Grey Zone. The channel administrator suggested recording a video with a firefighter from St. Petersburg. We talked online. I liked what he was doing. Andre wanted to go to the conflict zone. I was trying to convince him not to. He was an opinion leader, a man of words. He wouldn't listen and came anyway. We were near Mariupol back then. He learned really fast. He got into heavy fighting for Ugladar and Pavlovka. Unfortunately, he was killed by a mine together with his friend. He was also a firefighter from St. Petersburg. Stay tuned on our website. You can get a closer look at our top story today. The explosion in St. Petersburg, which killed Russian war correspondent Vladlen Tatarsky. Find out more about the late reporter's background, see eyewitness accounts and footage from the scene of the attack, as well as find the latest updates on the ongoing investigation. Visit Archie.com to keep up to speed with the latest. Stay tuned.
Now to the latest developments on the front line in Donbass. The founder of the Wagner Private Military Group says the city of Arteomovsk, also known as Bakhmut, is formally under control of Russian forces. There's been no official confirmation yet from Moscow. In video footage, Wagner head Yevgeny Prigozhin can be seen raising a flag over the city hall. The 2nd of April, 11 p.m. sharp, there is the city administration building behind me. This is the Russian flag with an inscription in good memory of Vladlin Tartarsky. De Jura Bakhmut is under our control, and the commanding officers of the units that took the city hall and the center of Bakhmut will carry and hoist these banners. This is the PMG Wagner banner. These are the guys who have captured the city. The enemy remains in the west of the city. Well, as we have just heard, uh, according to the statement of uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of uh, Wagner, a private military company, his uh, volunteer units are currently in control of Artyomovsk, and that's a city here in Donetsk Republic that uh, Kiev regime have renamed as Bakhmut back in 2016. Now, the city is of uh, paramount strategic significance both to Russia and Ukraine, and a win on a battlefield there allows the Russian armed forces to advance further towards the cities of Slavyansk and Kramatorsk. And uh, that's uh, another major stronghold of the Ukrainian military and currently an occupied territory of the Donetsk Republic. Now, for Kiev, it was important to hold on there in order to keep up the morale in the army and uh, keep intact its 70-kilometer uh, defensive line. And uh, efforts to uh, gain control over Artyomovsk have been viewed differently by the West over time. In the early stages, Western officials and media claimed that it's of principal importance to Ukraine. And recently, with Russia's advances in the area, they have been saying that uh, losing Artomovsk bears absolutely no strategic value to Kiev. We talked to political scientist and retired U.S. military officer Scott Bennett, who said if Russia takes control over Artomovsk, it would lay the groundwork for further victories. Well, essentially, the capture of Bakhmut terms the end of the war nearly for uh, a Russian victory. This is essentially a, a turning point that Russia and the Wagner Group specifically has demonstrated its uh, superior capacity in destroying the Ukrainian military, despite its support by NATO and its European proxies. And I think this is a tremendous morale booster for the Russian forces. It's a moment of grand liberation for the people who've been living under the tyranny of the Ukrainian racist Nazis that were employed and financed by the West. And I think it is going to now really avalanche and translate into a quickening uh, operation from Russia. And this attack that just occurred in St. Petersburg is going to accelerate Russia's push for absolute victory and an absolute annihilation of every Zelensky Nazi radical in the government. So Bakhmut is a strategic turning point of victory for Russia. But this uh, event in St. Petersburg is going to be gasoline thrown on the Russian fire that will very quickly accelerate uh, Russia's uh, absolute uncompromising uh, conquest and cleansing of Ukraine from this Nazi scourge that has been building there since 2014. That's our wrap on the hour. And next, Biden's Democracy Summit 
seems to be out of touch with the fact that the majority of the world views the U.S. as an expression of ideological hegemony. Coming up on Crosstalk. Thanks for tuning in. Stay close.